Hello, and welcome to Can't Unread, the podcast about the texts and ideas that change us. I'm Rosie Pasqualini, and today we're talking about the often misunderstood philosophy of Stoicism and why it's relatively popular in the West over 2,000 years after it first became a thing, despite the fact that we don't have most of its founding readings. For today, we read the Eon piece, Indifference is a Power, by Larry Wallace, published in 2014, as well as the Enchiridion, by Epictetus, published in the year 125. Enchiridion means handbook, and true to its name, the Enchiridion is short and sweet. By sweet, I mean leaving you both with a feeling of deep peace and a sense of pervasive shame about not having tried hard enough in all aspects of your life. It's an odd combo. The Enchiridion features quotes to awaken your inner badass, such as, Lameness is an impediment to the leg, but not to the will. And say this to yourself with regard to everything that happens. That's on page 219. We might compare and contrast that quote with this one. If anyone tells you that such a person speaks ill of you, do not make excuses about what is said of you, but answer, he was ignorant of my other faults, else he would not have mentioned these alone. Page 233. There's also this quote. If you have assumed any character beyond your strength, you have both demeaned yourself ill in that character and quitted one which you might have supported. Page 236. This is quite the sampler plate of attitudes. Epictetus seems to want to empower us by hitting us over the head with our own unchangeable and profound human limits. Yet he is also really invested in the powers of free will, sheer determination, and glorious, glorious reason. This isn't a contradiction necessarily, but it feels odd. What's up with Stoicism? Has it changed in the past 2,000 years? Is it useless? Is it not useless? Let's find out. But first... A word from our sponsor, me again. If you like to read cool stuff, and like talking about the cool stuff that you've read, you should definitely go to cantunread.com and click on the banner at the top so you can potentially sign up to be on the show. We'll pick a reading together and blend our perspectives to create a delicious discussion concrete. Concrete is a term we use in Kansas City for blended ice cream, which is a better metaphor than actual concrete. Go to cantunread.com, click on the banner at the top, and fill out the form to tell me a little bit about yourself. If I think we'd be a good fit, I'll get in touch with you. I hope you can be on the show. Consider the following. On smoking. Question on cold showers. Today a girl said that my nose looked really ugly. Marcus Aurelius's personal notes in multiple languages. 
contribute your language. Doesn't everyone think they're good? I saw an ex in public today and acted indifferent about it, turned on to a different aisle and focused on what I was there for, oat milk. Ah yes, the classic oat milk maneuver. This is a selection of post titles from the subreddit r slash stoicism, which has 308,000 subscribers as of right now. The posts range from moderately dumb to moderately insightful, but it's always cool to witness large-scale attempts at self-improvement. Larry Wallace has a nice one-sentence summary of what Stoicism is, at least in his interpretation. Quote, What the whole thing comes down to is making the choice that choice is really all we have, and that all else is not worth considering. For Wallace, Stoic writings are essentially long-winded versions of the Serenity Prayer, which I'm about to read to you as if you haven't heard it 10 to 200 times before, depending on your demographic. <clears throat> God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. As I am a contrarian, this is one of those quotes that's so popular that I wish I didn't like it, but I still like it. Both the Serenity Prayer and Wallace's interpretation of Stoicism focus on this idea of understanding what you can control and focusing on that which you can control as a sort of life best practice. Wallace describes Stoicism as being, quote, one of the greatest mind hacks ever devised, and acknowledges that it's too often dismissed as, quote again, a philosophy of grim endurance. Epictetus, an OG Stoic who has some writings that actually survived, certainly reflects Wallace's thesis about choice in his writing. Epictetus is all like, If it concerns anything beyond your power, be prepared to say that it is nothing to you. 216. And he's also like, Everything has two handles, one by which it may be born, another by which it cannot. 239. There are also similarly telling quotes relating to conflict, such as when Epictetus claims, Another cannot hurt you unless you please which Eleanor Roosevelt riffed off of when she said, famously, that no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Epictetus certainly espouses self-awareness and choice and control as means of getting through life. Why is Stoicism not, then, simply a philosophy of grim endurance, as Wallace says? Well, Wallace draws comparisons between Stoicism and cognitive behavioral therapy. This might seem like a strange comparison, but in both, the point of focusing one's attention on something in particular, for stoicism on the choice you have as opposed to on the things you can't control, isn't just a method to snowplow through the small and large agonies of your human life. It can gradually change your mindset. Consider the following tweet. <clears throat> <clears throat> Easy to spot a yellow car when you're always thinking of a yellow car. 
Easy to spot opportunity when you're always thinking of opportunity. Easy to spot reasons to be mad when you're always thinking of being mad. You become what you constantly think about. Watch yourself. This is a tweet from a person who calls themselves Crypto Seneca. Seneca was a somewhat later Stoic who wrote simply titled to the point books such as Of Anger and Of Peace of Mind. Anyway, the tweet from Crypto Seneca was published last year and is now one of the top posts on the r stoicism subreddit. It has that internet quote quality of straddling the uncomfortable line between insightful and obvious, but I think it directly points to a really important question that Larry Wallace in his Eon piece fails to answer. This quote, at least to me, is a mind-hack kind of statement. The point is that the direction of your focus will change you, and that the direction of your focus can help you get what you want. It can help you be happy. But these kinds of ideas don't speak to whether or not it's right to focus on one kind of thing as opposed to another. And I think that Wallace's article in particular leaves us stuck with a really difficult question. Is stoicism simply a mind hack, or does it belie some kind of objective truth? When the stoic directs their attention to things over which they have control, and only those things, what does that say of the importance of everything else? Epictetus writes that when you're watching sports, you should, quote, wish things to be only just as they are, basically, accept any outcome. But why, though? Is this because it's fundamentally more right for that particular team to win? Or is it because your acceptance of any outcome will hurt you less? And this has troubling implications for situations that aren't just games. Not to mention that the emphasis that Epictetus places on taking things as they come sometimes seems to contradict his ideas about asserting your will, but we'll get back to that. There are two views we can take of Stoic ideals. The first is that Stoicism is a practical tool. You only focus on what you can control, because this will help you get what you want. The second is that Stoicism provides an accurate worldview, and that being Stoicish, or as some would say, Stoic, is in line with that worldview. There are a couple of worldviews that we might preliminarily, is that a word, rest from Stoicism. E.g., you only focus on what you can control because it's wrong to focus on anything else. It's ontologically not your place. Or you only focus on what you can control because nothing else fundamentally matters. Or you focus on what you can control because everything matters, and this helps you appreciate everything more. When someone practices Stoicism, are they making a claim about the world? About what matters and what doesn't? Or are they simply trying to survive a little less miserably? I'd like to draw a comparison here to issues with cognitive behavioral therapy, which we mentioned before, and by the way, is an empirically supported form of therapy that has helped a lot of people. CBT. 
so the point isn't to roast it. Wallace draws comparisons between Stoicism and CBT in terms of the mind hack aspect, but not really in terms of the worldview aspect. At the heart of CBT is a focus on cognitive distortions. The idea is that mental illness arises from, or at least is perpetuated by, specifically wrong ideas that you have about the world that have, more often than not, developed as a result of certain experiences. CBT isn't just adaptive. Its techniques, like exposure therapy and cognitive restructuring, are meant to help dissuade you of notions that are wrong, not just harmful to you. E.g., everyone hates me. If you come into therapy and claim that you are incredibly ugly, ugly gang rise up, your therapist is probably not going to say, okay, yes, you're ugly, let's work on accepting that, even if you are conventionally unattractive. At best, your therapist will probably help you change your definition of beauty, but the shitty CBT approach to this kind of problem, at least in my view, is being like, well, anyone who claims that they're ugly clearly has a cognitive distortion. So we'll have you tell yourself that you're attractive in the mirror until you figure out that you are. This is, of course, a caricature of bad CBT. But the point of CBT is to change beliefs that are considered false as opposed to simply maladaptive. CBT optimizes your mindset to fit a certain truth. Does Stoicism do the same thing? To answer this question, we need to understand Stoic cosmology, which is something that most of Stoicism's internet practitioners don't pay a huge amount of attention to, mostly because it goes directly against the secular appeal of more practical Stoicism. The Encyclopedia Britannica, <laughs> describes the divine groundwork of Stoicism in this way. Quote, The irreducible element in all things is right reason, which pervades the world as divine fire. Things such as material or corporeal bodies are covered by this reason or fate, in which virtue is inherent. The world in its awesome entirety is so ruled to exhibit a grandeur of orderly arrangement that can only serve as a standard for humankind in the regulation and ordering of life. Oof. That doesn't sound very practical or mind-hacky to me. In fact, as a person who doesn't believe in God or in some great divine order, it goes against pretty much everything I stand for. Now, a lot of us think of reason as being objective. But the ancient Stoics believed that reason was so objective that it literally pervaded the fabric of the universe. They poetically called reason divine fire, keeping in mind that leading up to the beginning of Stoicism, there had been a lot of debate about which element was the most fundamental element of the universe, the main building block, and at one point people believed that it was fire. Some other candidates were air, water, and logos, a reason, as we sort of see here. This is difficult to conceptualize, but we might roughly equate the Stoics' belief in reason as a building block of the universe with the way we now consider certain laws of physics to be fundamental to the universe, or perhaps certain particles 
e.g. most famously the atom, as forming the building blocks of the universe. Everything for the ancient Stoics was built on reason. And this helps us understand why Epictetus implores us to live in harmony with nature. Nature is a reasonable force. Everything that happens in the world is right. It's a product of this divine reason, this divine fire. The Stoics genuinely believed that everything happened for a reason. That reason being reason. I think this is pretty difficult to make sense of in a contemporary setting, even if you are religious. And I think this is why, considering the horrible shit that's going on in the world right now especially, my classmates were pretty horrified when we read Epictetus this last semester, because the suggestion that everything is reasonable, and that reason is divine, essentially means that everything that happens is ultimately good. And I think that the worse things are going, the harder it is to buy into this kind of idea. How do the Stoics reconcile the exertion of one's will? As Epictetus said, lameness is an impediment to the leg and not to the will, with the fact that everything is essentially predetermined and everything that happens is right. While we have this difficult situation where reason is both a fundamental building block of the universe, and something that can be actively exercised in humans, a cognitive faculty. So we have this semi-paradox where the world itself is reasonable, and things that happen in it are reasonable, but my use of reason as a mental ability, as an individual, is also reasonable. And my use of reason should lead me to the acceptance of my circumstances, because the world itself is also reasonable. That's why Epictetus asks us to both exert our will and to live in harmony with nature, because these are both expressions of reason at different levels. Stoic principles are supposedly in line with the very fabric of the universe, and that's very different from simply being a mind hack, because the methods of both Stoicism and CBT are meant to affirm something that is fundamentally true. In Stoicism, the fundamental reasonableness of the universe. And in CBT, simply the fact that you're wrong about your ugliness or something. But it's the same idea. Adaptiveness doesn't cut it. And I think one could at least argue that you lose the full force and meaning of Stoicism when you use it as quote-unquote simply a mind hack. There are plenty of posts on our Stoicism where people are frustrated because they don't understand what the point of all this Stoic methodology is. But at the same time, the idea that everything happens reasonably is not going to be a satisfying answer at all for most contemporary consumers of Stoicism. Evidence suggests, at least based on the success stories on our Stoicism, that it's not a flimsy philosophy even when it doesn't have that ontological weight behind it. Kind of in the same way that you can use CBT methods to help regulate your emotions without always buying into the idea that the original thought you're fighting was necessarily a cognitive distortion. And though this is a different subject, I think that we have the same potential problem with Western Buddhism. 
Its Western secular form is rightfully enraging to some because the methods are being used without the historical and religious meanings behind them. But I think that Stoicism in its practical form is particularly well adapted to what's going on in the world right now, which is really ironic because the cosmology behind it seems really at odds with what a lot of people believe right now. After all, it can feel immoral to try and believe that everything happens for a reason when people are being unduly and obviously harmed by those things. But practical stoicism, the popular kind, is different. It's essentially a non-religious serenity prayer. And I think that's what the world needs right now. It's therapy for people who do believe and are okay with believing that everything sucks, at least right now. Epictetus's unique combination of willpower and acceptance is the philosophy of this moment. Stoicism isn't being misapplied. It's simply adapted. And personally, I find this development very reasonable indeed. Next time, we'll be reading an interview by Sophie Rowell with political scientist Henry Farrell on the politics of information and how machine learning and our broad online access to truths and untruths shape our political landscape. Join us. <laughs>